Hi everyone, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture, including movies, books, and sports. Today's episode is all about TV. Now, summer usually isn't the time of year when television networks debut their prestige programming, but this year feels a little different. Three shows in particular have caught our attention as of late, and those are USA's Mr. Robot, AMC's Humans, and Netflix's Peaky Blinders. We have a lot to say about each of these shows and could probably spend about an hour talking about each one of them, but rather than doing that, we are going to treat this discussion as more of a primer and an introduction for people who may have never watched these shows, but may be interested in checking them out. That means we are going to try to do this episode entirely spoiler-free, which may be more difficult for some shows than others, but we'll do our best. Alright, let's get started. First up, Mr. Robot. Okay, so, since Mr. Robot first premiered on June 24th, it's quickly become one of the most talked about shows of the summer, and has gained overwhelming praise from critics everywhere. I know we are certainly one of those cheerleaders. Right, Iman? For sure. Uh, As of today, we're up to date on the show and have seen 9 out of what will be 10 in season 1. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Carla, why don't you give us just quick plot talk. (laughs) Sure. Mr. Robot is a story told from the perspective of a young man named Elliot Alderson, who's played by the incredible Rami Malek. Mm -hmm. He lives in New York City and works at a cybersecurity company called Allsafe by Day and is sort of a cyber vigilante by night. He uses his hacking skills as a coping mechanism for his social anxiety disorder and also... He's a bit of a morphine addict, but we'll get to that later. In the pilot episode, he's recruited by a mysterious social anarchist called Mr. Robot, who's played by Christian Slater, and he joins his team of hackers known as F-Society. And their mission is to bring down one of the largest corporations in the world, E-Corp, or Evil Corp, as Elliot likes to call them. The storyline quickly escalates from there and gets more and more twisted, and it's just been an incredible ride from start to finish. I don't want to get too deep into the plot, but I do want to talk about some of the things that make this show so great, because honestly, and I'm choosing my words very carefully as I say this, Not since Breaking Bad have I experienced a show as gripping and as unpredictable as this one. The intensity is absolutely relentless. Iman, what do you think about this show? I think that your bringing up Breaking Bad is a fantastic parallel because something that I think Breaking Bad and Mr. Robot have in common is just the phenomenal writing. I mean, 
phenomenal everything. Yeah. But in particular, I think that Mr. Robot has a cast of these phenomenally written characters. Uh, you have Rami Malek playing this, like, pretty stoic and very socially awkward, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm shell of a man that's incredibly vulnerable there are scenes this isn't giving much away in the pilot where we see him crying but you just you feel for him so much and he isn't just this antisocial hacker right every character has so many dimensions one thing that's important to note is that the show is told entirely in his perspective Mm -hmm. you are in elliot's head and he's talking to you as if you are talking to an imaginary friend which I think is incredibly brave for this show to be doing. We've seen plenty of shows where there are plot twists and shockers. I mean, Lost had plenty. But Mm -hmm. this show, so much of the surprising and shock factors are coming from the main character's own psyche. Yeah. Which is, I mean, even the, the sentence I just said would probably alienate half of a normal audience. Nobody wants these, like, big philosophical things, but uh, Sam Esmail, that's his name? Yeah, the writer's name is Sam Esmail. Yeah, he's he's written just this brilliantly told story, and I think, uh, speaking of writing and also characters, I think something I've been particularly interested in is the fact that the villains in this show also have layers. Even the... Uh, there are some faceless corporate entities, as you mentioned, that we're grappling with, but the mm-hmm. show is very attentive to humanizing everyone involved. And right. I I think that that's just such nuanced, mature, great storytelling, and it's, it's also just really fun to watch. Yeah, that's another important note. One of the reasons that makes it really fun to watch for me also is because a lot of the secondary characters are also really well-developed and stand on their own. And in particular, a lot of female characters in this show, too. Mm -hmm. Elliot's best friend, her name is Angela, she is a co-worker, and she um, has been his childhood friend since the beginning, and they have a really interesting relationship that develops as the season progresses. There are also other characters like Darlene, who's a member of F Society, and... A very diverse hacker team, I should mention, yeah. but it's it's interesting that it would have been so easy to just make all of these people, like, sloppy hackers or whatever, or go, like, swing in the other direction, make them all super unrealistically badass or something, mm-hmm. but they they've just done such a great job at developing this... And they're also very relatable, too. Oh, yeah. All of them are given clear motives. And I feel like one thing about this show is that it's it's very obvious that it takes place in our world. Mm-hmm. One way the show accomplishes that is by the winks at tech culture, in particular, throughout the entire series. Oh, for sure. I've been told by a lot of friends who either work in the tech industry or close to people who are in the tech industry, that the series is very well researched. Episode descriptions and titles for each of the episodes are... um, File names. File names. Like .mov. Yeah. Yeah, .mp3 or whatever, Mm -hmm. which which is really clever. I'd never seen anything like that before. And the episode descriptions, if you go on On Demand or check your TV guide 
are written in chat speak, which is so yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I've never seen the storytelling bleed beyond the experience of the show itself, which to me was just like such a fun Easter egg. But it felt very—I mean, I mentioned Lost before, but it felt very just uh, like it. Like there was a dialogue with the fans in that sense. Yeah, um, it takes those little details so seriously and it rewards viewers who decide to pause the screen and really take a look at everything going on in the background. Another thing that it does, this show has a lot of hacking montages where Elliot is trying to learn more about the people who who come into his life and this show does not shy away from explicitly referring to websites that exist in our universe. So things like Facebook and Instagram, it references a lot of celebrities by name. So I think by doing that, it grounds the show and it makes it feel a lot realer. Yeah, I think something, it's just impressive from a film or television standpoint in the sense that this has been a challenge, I think, for movies for quite a while. How do you make a kid sitting at a computer typing really gripping and interesting and i think Mm -hmm. by giving us screenshots of stuff like facebook or instagram things that are so recognizable and entrenched in our own society like watching him reading through a facebook we would immediately yeah we will understand that oh you look at the likes to see what movies does this person like of course you're going to judge them if the movies suck i mean it (laughs) it it, it's just done such a great job of actually giving drama lending drama to something that could have otherwise been really terrible yeah, I agree. It just feels it feels very real, and that's that's definitely a result of of music, of art direction, cinematography. Yeah, I know the art direction has been something everyone has been talking a lot about as well. Uh, a lot of people think the framing is reminiscent of a show like Breaking Bad, where you have a lot of point of view shots. Mm-hmm. You have the New York City backdrop itself almost acting like a character Mm -hmm. in the way that Albuquerque did in Breaking Bad. And another thing that this show does, which is also really interesting to me, is the fact that it breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Elliot speaks directly to the camera on more than one occasion and addresses its audience, as I said before, as his imaginary friend. So in that sense the show feels really participatory and I think Mm -hmm. that's what really excites the fan base and makes it feel a lot like a show like Lost. Yeah we're lucky enough to be getting the level and quality of storytelling that most people would sustain over maybe a two-hour movie Mm -hmm. over an entire series which I'm sure a lot of great like HBO produced television shows are doing but at the end of the day like this is USA doing something phenomenal and like just it feels so surprising yeah it feels really it feels very confident on their part Mm -hmm. like they knew this was something completely new and completely different and they decided to go all in on it we heard in an interview that sam esmail had actually conceived of this story as a movie script and he actually adapted it as a as a series, series, so it's already been approved for season two. Season one modeled the first act of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, two and three if it's following the three-act structure, and I think he said that it could go as many as five. Oh, wow. I 
think that my source is a Grantland podcast. I'll have to I'll have to double check. But um, yeah, any any final takeaways for Mr. Robot? Well, I feel given the show's theme and plot, one thing that really struck me was that the show could have been easily a dark and depressing storyline. I'm talking something similar to what we've seen in True Detective for its first two seasons. (laughs) But this show has such moments of real humor in it that make it just so enjoyable to watch. It's not trying to get you to agree with Elliot and his I need to yeah his F society morals. It's a show that's just simply trying to show you what it's like to be in his head and it's been an amazing ride so far well cut yeah go watch it (laughs) yeah i think that's pretty much all we can say without giving too much away but we are really excited to talk about it and to hear what you guys think about it so like we said the season finale for its first debut season will be on wednesday night I also, if we manage to post this podcast before then, I heard that there's going to be a little scene, special scene that's going to come up after the credits. So make sure you set your DVRs a little later, or to record a little later. All right, what's the next show on our bracket? All right, after the break, we're going to talk about AMC's Humans. Could you use some extra help around the house? Introducing the world's first family android. This mechanical maid is capable of serving more than just breakfast in bed. What could you accomplish if you had someone, something like this? These machines will bring us closer together. We're back to talk about AMC's Humans. I'm going to set us up with a little plot talk. So Humans takes place in a parallel present, where the latest must-have gadget for any busy family is a synth, a highly developed robotic servant that's so similar to a real human that it's transforming the way we live and blurring the lines between humans and machines. Carlo, what do we think about humans? Well, the thing that... I feel has stricken us the most about humans isn't so much the compelling plot, which is an interesting storyline, but more interesting than that is the themes that it's been dealing with. And one of the major themes for this show, or at least this first season, seems to be the conflict that arises when a new class of people, or synths in this case, is introduced to society. Definitely. I think the fact that we are kind of opening talking about the larger, bigger pictures about this show, like you said, it is a result of the fact that the plotline of the show itself, which is kind of based around a family that gets a synth and the drama that arises afterwards, that isn't as interesting to me as, like you say, the sociological impact of synths. I do think that they're treated like a new class of people, and it's it's interesting that you actually end up getting... These parallels between, I think, probably immigrants in new countries, which you could say is like a new class of people, and the sense themselves, because the the jobs that we see them occupying are these these 
low-level menial jobs. Mm -hmm. We see them kind of, there are groups of people that like gang up on them and just have fun beating up synths. Like it, it, it seems like there's a lot of symbolism that isn't just tech oriented. It's also just making these broad statements on humanity, which to me right. has been has been interesting to watch and kind of grapple with myself as I'm watching the show. Interesting. One of the things that humans really reminded me of when I first watched it was Neil Blomkamp's, or what's his name? Oh, yeah, District, District 9. 9. Mm-hmm. What's the director's name? I believe it's Neil Blomkamp. Okay, so... If it's not, it's on my head. <laughs> District 9 is kind of a similar premise, but it has to do with aliens. And I know the movie itself symbolically was representing a lot of the struggles that were going on in apartheid South Africa. So that in that sense, this show can be really interesting. But at this point, I have seen all the episodes in season one. You aren't entirely caught up, but you're almost there. And I can say toward the end, the show has kind of shifted from focusing on these themes and the initial shock of seeing this world existing to focusing more on the characters and to be honest the characters themselves haven't been all that interesting to me yeah i think when we originally planned to record this show talking about the different shows that we were watching for the summer amc's humans originally started a little higher in the bracket for me uh-huh and now i think we you guys might hear it in our voices we sound a little lower energy about this show probably because The show itself has kind of drifted away from what I found most interesting about it. I am going to finish the series. Like you said, I still have one episode left, but I'm not... I'm going to walk, not run. (laughs) (laughs) To finishing Um, it. To finishing it. I think that I would say if you're going to invest in this show, or at least the broad premise that we've presented to you guys about it, do it because you want to reflect on subjects like oh, what class differences or what happens with technology in the modern age, which are fascinating topics. Or or when machines are taking over uh, human jobs, too. Exactly. It it doesn't sensationalize it in the sense like rise of the synths, they're going to like kill us all or anything really horrific. It's a a lot more quiet a show, Mm -hmm. but it's... It's not one of my favorite shows of all time, and it's not matching the like intensity of the shows that we're discussing, but it is a great show, and I know you have a lot to say about these second-tier type of shows. Yeah, I was going to describe it as a solid second-tier show, which sometimes is necessary to have, just to have those options as a viewer. By second-tier, I mean shows that are something you can watch a little bit more passively, Because I feel like if you try to analyze this show for anything more than what it is, its weaknesses definitely become more apparent, but for the most part, it's well-made, it's engaging, it's thought-provoking, and it's definitely a a solid summer show that's, that's worth checking out. So for that reason, we definitely wanted to include it in this list of our favorite or top summer shows because it fits the bill. It fits in the roundup, but we are going to come back after the break with a show that I am undoubtedly (laughs) more excited about. Not technically a summer show, but we're going to talk about Peaky Blinders. (laughs) 
show could be said to have hacked my root code and churned out the most Emon specific content imaginable. It's this one. It's Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Set in Birmingham, England, just after the First World War, it chronicles the exploits and rise of the infamous Peaky Blinders gang, led by the Shelby family, most notably Thomas Shelby, a young man returned from World War I with PTSD and a drive to secure a better life for himself and his siblings. The TV show stars Killian Murphy and Sam Neill. That's right. And is honestly one of my favorite things that I've seen as of late. As I mentioned at the top, this isn't a summer show, but we were very late to the game and just discovered it, and I feel like I definitely want to just celebrate it in this summer roundup show because we've, or at least I've fallen so deeply for it. This is a show that might make it easy to focus on, like, the gritty fights that happen in it. These are men who sew razor blades into the peaks of their caps, hence the Peaky Blinders. It might be easy to dismiss the show as maybe a Netflix version of Boardwalk Empire, but I'm here to tell you, don't. We're only one season and change into it, and it's already up there on my I-can't-wait-to-get-home-and-watch-then-rewatch-this-thing list. All right, I've been raving and rambling about this. Carla, are you as pumped as I am about this show? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like it's a show that takes a little while to get into. The beginning starts out a little slow, but once the pace sets about four episodes in, it's almost at breakneck speed, and every episode ends with a huge cliffhanger, and it's very binge-worthy. Yeah, I'll admit it now. I think I definitely got into it after we watched a few episodes. I got into it deep, um, which probably has something to do with Killian Murphy, who, as I mentioned, plays the leading Shelby man, Thomas, with so much restraint and humanity. I've said it before. Yeah, I've obviously fallen for him, but it'd be terrible to reduce what this show is accomplishing to just my total crush. No, I mean, I think it's... Obvious, Killian Murphy is one of the the huge selling points of this show because he, he does such an incredible job of playing this character. But I feel like the secondary cast itself is also really incredible. You have, um, I don't know any of them by name. The only other person you guys might recognize is... Narcissa Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies. She plays Aunt Polly, Mm -hmm. and she does an incredible job in this show as well. And I think one of the biggest signifying factors of that is the chemistry between Thomas, or Killian Murphy's character, and 
the secondary cast in as in the rest of the his family. family. And I think the fact that you care for all these characters mm-hmm. by the end of the season shows how much consideration is taken into really developing each of the characters and making them all seem really human and which isn't something that's easy to accomplish over just what is it six episodes yeah that's right i think the show almost resembles a sopranos like quality in terms of handling the family dynamic which is one of its biggest strengths yeah i mean it's also another crime based show this is a gang it's a family-run gang but the fact that everyone, as you mentioned, is given a lot of depth elevates the show to something more than just a crime show. A typical crime show. Right. The show was actually created and written by Stephen Knight, and only three directors are credited across its two seasons uh, thus far, which wow. I, I think it's given the show a consistent. Just this incredibly consistent styling and direction. I mean, here I've been talking about the plot a lot and how well acted it is, but the styling is actually really incredible. The the Birmingham that's depicted in in Peaky Blinders, it's gritty, it's maze-like, it's beautifully framed in a way that has yet to ever feel tired. I Hmm. think I groaned over True Detective earlier in the episode, and I think it's because the second season of that show just seems to have gotten a really formulaic in its artistic direction. Interesting. How so? Oh, with, with True Detective? Yeah. There are a lot of, for example, um, in transition scenes, you'll see a flyover shot of a freeway. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see almost the exact same shot of the freeway used again later in another episode or in, within the same episode, just at a different hour or something. A lot of the B-roll footage. Yeah, <laughs> which just, to me, feels so, like okay, we're going to give you this cool shot of the overarching landscape. But, I mean, after after two or three times, you you just get sick of it. Where this show, they'll frame a a gunfight or something. Just every single time they do it, it's new. Yeah, I agree. I'd say the art direction is also, just in the way we said, Mr. Robot had a very clear direction with the cinematography. It's... It's also similar to to that in um, in Peaky Blinders, and it's similar to something like Breaking Bad, where it shows something that's so gruesome and terrifying, mm, but at boy. the same time, it looks really beautiful, and it's pretty to look at. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not as stylized as a Tarantino movie, per se, but it it is definitely compelling to watch. This is one of the only shows that I've seen as of late besides Mr. Robot that I actually want to put my phone down while watching it. Mm-hmm. You can't be sending tweets in between episodes. Yeah, I feel like the violence in it isn't gratuitous. It isn't something you'd expect from something like Game of Thrones. Mm, yeah. But when they do depict it, it's it's done classically. Yeah, I don't know how it's else done to elegantly. It. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, we've been constellating this show with something like Breaking Bad, something like Mr. Robot. I do realize that this show has not gotten as much attention as these other ones and might be very specific to my taste. But something that I think is probably the the most specific to me of this show, like out of all its elements, is just the music. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that this deserves a little conversation of itself because the show is using so many contemporary singers and music in a way that is hearkening back to an older sound, but is, has also been introducing me to so many great new artists and it's just every beat is so on point. Yeah, I know that was one of the things that most intrigued me about this show. Shout out to Afshan, our cousin, for getting us into this show because she was the one who, who texted me about it first and she said, oh yeah, and by the way, it has a lot of music by Jack White in it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing that we really like about it, but I know at the same time it's something other people have kind of complained about. They said it's a little distracting. Would you agree with that? I think I can definitely understand why people would make that claim, saying, oh, this is distracting, but I honestly don't understand how. When I see something like the Great Gatsby movie that came out more recently with Leonardo DiCaprio that had a Jay-Z soundtrack, Mm -hmm. that to me, I can understand why that would be really distracting, but what Peaky Blinders is really smart about is choosing artists whose own influences come from this early 1900s era. You have artists like Jack White, Nick Cave, PJ Harvey. All of these have sounds that feel either older than they are or timeless. Mm -hmm. You have Jack White always using like really distorted guitar riffs or whatever you want to call it. it. It's music that is not only evoking the emotions of the scenes, but it's enhancing our connection to them in a way that music from that era probably would fail to achieve. Yeah, I agree. So I think even if the show, I mean, the show is not terrible, as my rambling has obviously shown, but even if it were, I would feel forever indebted to it for all the fabulous music that it's been introducing me to. Yeah, that's been one of the funnest aspects of watching this show and listening to the soundtrack. Oh, I've had it on repeat. <laughs> yeah, this this show is, in all seriousness, I, I think that the storytelling is, as you mentioned, it's a little slower at the beginning, but it does pick up, and I think that it's worth the investment just to see, uh, just to see a really great like Netflix show that you can yeah. go through. It's not great period piece, and it holds up to closer analysis. Yeah, you can, you can do a deep dive into any of the characters. This isn't... Yeah. It's, it's, it's deeper not than humans. humans. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to end this podcast. I'm sure we're going to go back and revisit all of these shows once we're all caught up with them. But hopefully this served as a great introduction for, for a lot of people out there who might be curious to check them out. If you do, we'd love to hear what you think about any of these shows. You can find us on our multiple social media outlets. We have a Twitter account, which you can follow at ScreensaverPod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Screensaver Podcast. You can also find other episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud. Yeah, and iTunes. And iTunes. All right, so that wraps up our summer TV roundup. We will see you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.